So what did this Ghibli? Welcome again to another episode of Latin and Lames. Today is January 29th, 2023. I hope y'all are starting off your new year and the, the very first month off on a good front. Um, yeah, you know what? Today in Colorado right now, the temp is eight degrees. It's it's dipping lower and lower and lower. I don't know why, but as of recent, we've been having these these spells where it'll raise up in temperature and then all of a sudden dips back down into the negative so uh i'm chilling inside right now but i'm i got some work that i'm going to be doing later on so i need to head on over to a coffee shop do some grading and uh, all that good stuff to wrap up my weekend um i hope you guys are having a wonderful one as well today we're going to be doing kind of a a gamut i'm running through a bunch of different things and hopefully i can get it within this 30 minute time frame um, it's a Q&A as well as, um, yeah, um, a Q&A where somebody asks um, etymology of words. We're going to get into um, how how to hack your sleep, recommended types of therapy. And I also had a lot of my, my students actually recently on TikTok, um, former students of mine, they reach out and they just, they message me. They ask how I'm doing. They ask where I'm teaching now. And I want to see how they're doing. And you know, they, they end up having a bunch of questions and I hadn't, I had no idea that some of these kids were actually listening to my podcast and how they, you know, they really appreciate a lot of the, the, the information that I put out there and they had ideas, um, for me to, you know, do other, you know, episodes. They had questions that I can answer and, you know, maybe you have these very same questions. I mean, I'm not some sort of almighty knowing uh, source or anything like that, but I have experience. I've dealt with, especially middle school, a lot of these questions are from little middle schoolers navigating this world. And you know what? I would love to oblige because at the end of the day, life's hard. Middle school's hard. Understanding yourself in the midst of pubescence is such a difficult thing and then you also have to deal with the toxic nature of people around you popularity that's what we're also going to get into we're going to get into self-confidence as a kid and teenager um strategies for being kinder to yourself and more understanding to yourself as well as others some of these are really awesome questions so um yeah if you guys are interested i uh am very much interested in kind of shedding a lot of some light on topics uh related to etymology but also related to life and uh and what i really appreciate about my students my former students as well as anybody that's listening to this podcast is that um they trust me and that's what um you know that that was the resounding thing that i saw in these messages is that you know it's really nice to hear your voice it's very calming um apparently i do have a calming voice thank you guys for saying that i never really knew but um you know, hey, maybe you could use this to fall asleep or something like that. Maybe my voice is soothing and uh, you don't really care about etymology, but maybe you care about helping me out and by pressing play and letting it run through, that'll really help me out. So regardless of, if you just want to help me out, but you're not interested in all this etymology or if you're only interested in the Q&As, just, you know, stop by for those. Stop by for the, the other knowledge that I'll provide. Um, because like we say, um, learning we can learn through conversations, through understanding other people, as well as by understanding other people, we in turn understand ourselves. How many times do we kind of understand ourselves in kind of a, an ugly way where we start to project on other people, right? When we project on other people, we kind of start to, 
we're starting to, well, it's, it's our ego. And if we allow ourselves to sit in that ego and see why we are projecting that way, then we kind of understand why is it that we may not like certain qualities of the person um, that may be reflected in ourselves that we know, um, you know, so on and so forth. So without further ado, I would love to get into these words, not words, questions. I'm so used to getting into words. <clears throat> I'm finally on the tail end of this thing. I'm finally having productive uh, mucus drainage. I know that sounds very gross, you guys. I apologize, but at the same time, um, I'm sick of being sick, and I hate being sick, and I never get sick. And when I do sick, I seem to get over it really quickly, except for when I'm surrounded by a bunch of these creatures of the abyss whom I love. Anyways, let's get into our first question here. This question here is from YT. YT here asks, what is the etymology of syntax? I'm wondering if this is a, a student of mine because um, we talk about syntax in correlation with case, right? In, in Latin, we have cases, and then we have the correlative syntax associated with those cases. So cases are nominative, genitive, dative, accusative, and ablative. And then the syntax associated with those cases would be nominative. You, you remember when I say the fancy word for a subject noun. Genitive, fancy word for possessive noun. Syntax is the possessive noun, the indirect object, the direct object, all of that good stuff. Excuse me. I just don't want to stop the recording. I apologize. Just, yeah. So syntax actually is noun. Um, according to Almighty Google, it's the study of rules governing by the way words are put together to form sentences, right? It comes from the Greek word syntaxis, which is an assimilated form from sin, meaning together, right? Sin is the Greek, cum is the Latin version. Sin, like synonym, same name or to get a together name. Um, uh, synagogue, like I've talked about before, sin meaning together and or with. Ago, agere means to bring. So what is a synagogue? It just means uh, a place in which uh, it brings together, in this case, people. Um, and tasin, tasien, uh, in the Greek means to arrange. So in this case, syntaxis, and then the, um, so tasin, tasin is the verb, and the noun form is taxis. Taxis means order, um, like toxicology or taxonomy. Also, though, you have the arrange the verb, noun, order. So in this case, syntax means to arrange together, and that's what it is. A study of rules governing the way in which words are put together in order to form these sentences that we use on a day-to-day -day basis. Next one that we have here is taxis. Taxis coming from the Greek, which is a noun meaning an arrangement and or an order. It comes from the Greek root taxis. Um, which derived from the Indo-European TAS, T-A-S, meaning to arrange as well. So as you can see, it just kind of derivated and assimilated through time. Taxonomy, which is Greek, a noun meaning the science of classification. It comes from the Greek root taxis, which is derived from the Indo-European TAS, again, meaning to arrange. So taxonomy and then onomy comes from nomen, meaning name. So taxonomy is the science or the order of names. The classification of names, right? Name plus order equals the naming order. Syntax again, like we said, syntaxis, the to arrange together. 
in, in this case, words within a sentence. Taxidermy, however, taxidermy, taxis, order, dermy, referring to dermis, meaning skin. Taxidermy is a noun referring to the art of stuffing and or pre preserving animals and birds. So it comes from that Greek, like I said, so it means um, pertaining to uh, uh, an arrangement of the skin, which sounds really odd to think about, but at the same time, that's what you're really doing. Tax, um, taxidermy is just basically restuffing those dead um, animals, right? And you're basically rearranging their skin because what are you putting underneath their skin? Well, no more internal organs, no, no more blood, no more anything like that. It's just all filled in with all this other stuff in order to mount on your wall. I'm not a big fan of looking at those. Um, I do like the aesthetic because in my my apartment, I've uh, I've absconded with a couple of uh, skulls from uh, a couple of kills from my dad and my brother uh, because they're they're hunters, uh, and I I like the skulls themselves, but uh, I don't think I could handle looking at the face of an antelope in my apartment every day and seeing the eyeballs following me around. I don't know about you, maybe you think differently, but I like the skulls more, even though it seems like skulls are kind of like, they refer to death more. It's also kind of a cool Southwestern vibe. I like it. I also have an Oryx here. And um, I believe, well, actually I only have two. So yeah, those are the two. So then with that being said, let's get into our last one here. Synthesize, actually, sin meaning together and or with. The size coming from that taxis, it actually just kind of assimilates into a different form. So what does it really refer to when you synthesize something? Well, synthetic is where we also get that word. Um, it's a verb meaning to combine elements into one essentially, right? So we have together plus arrange equals to arrange together again. So um, syntax is very similar to synthesize. If you didn't know, now you know. That's going to be it for my first question here. Appreciate you, YT. Let's get on into our next one here. So I have a question here talking about how to really hack your sleep. This comes from uh, the insomniac. I like the name. Um, questions on how to hack your sleep and how to get into a better established sleep routine in order to achieve deeper sleep quality. Well, this is something that I have really, really focused on in my time in my life because I have had uh, insomnia quite a bit in my life and I've dealt with where, you know, at the end of the day, I put my head down on the pillow and then all of a sudden my thoughts start racing to the nth degree. I'm sure you guys can empathize with those that feel the same because, you know, we kind of all, a lot of us deal with that kind of stuff and it's really about... Um, reframing. When I started to realize that I kind of just never had a nighttime routine, but I, I always have a morning routine. Think about it. Do you guys have a morning routine? Well, maybe if you're a middle schooler or like high school, maybe you don't really, but as you get older, you start to develop routines in order to like get you primed and ready for the day. But you don't really think about how you kind of need kind of a bedtime routine in order to prime yourself in order to get to sleep, right? You can't just expect that you turn off the lights, put your head on the pillow, go to sleep ASAP Rocky, or else you kind of um, 
Well, for me, then when I don't get to sleep fast enough, then I start to stress out about not sleeping and or I get mad that I'm not getting to sleep. And then I'm, you know, it's just a vicious cycle. So it's all about really, I, I have some notes, some, a list of things that I um, have written down that I tend to implement. Not all of these that I do actually implement because, you know, life isn't in a vacuum. Sometimes things occur and I can't, you know, I have to have a late dinner or something like something that I have avoid a lot of the time now are heavier meals. And if I do eat a heavier meal, it's very much carbohydrate laden because, and I try to put all of my carbohydrates towards the end of the day, because, um, if you guys know, like how many times have you ate like a big bolus of like, you know, rice or pasta or something like that? And you're like, all right, time for a nap. Well, what I try to do is I try to limit the amount of carbohydrates that I'm eating throughout the day because I feel more alert in that way. I want to be able to be productive. I want to teach well. I want to show up and do my due diligence. And I just feel like I can't do that when I'm feeling bogged down with digestion, right? You know, we have rest and digest. And when you have ate, especially a large meal, your body kind of focuses a lot of the blood flow and energy into digestion of the said meal. So then if your body's focusing on that, then it's not really, well, it can focus, but it, it's taking away some energy from brain power and all that stuff. That's why we do get lethargy mid uh, towards that two o'clock, three o'clock, you know, after your food from lunch has kind of already, um, digested a little bit and all that stuff. I'm sure you guys know from nine to fivers or people that work all day long that like you get that little dip in energy. Um, so let's get into a few of these lists of things. So firstly, um, I really recommend establishing a, cons a consistent sleep routine. Try to go, go to bed and wake up at the same time every day to help regulate your body's sleep-wake cycle. That's what we call the circadian rhythm. See, if you didn't know, our bodies really rely on these rhythms, these circadian rhythms in order, just like, you know, the rising of the sun, we rise with the sun and we, we tend to fall with the setting of the sun. Not really the case, especially with daylight savings time. And when the, you know, the sun sets at like four o'clock in the winter, that's not really conducive for sleep. But, um, your circadian rhythm is really important. If you didn't know, your body actually raises one to three degrees in temperature in order to wake yourself up in the morning. That is what cortisol, your neuro, it's really a neurohormone, neurohormone uh, that, that gets secreted within your body that wakes you up in the morning. And then we have melatonin, the other neurohormone that gets you all relaxed. It's the precursor to serotonin that gets you nice and deeply embedded melatonin and serotonin they're so very similar as well as tryptophan that's why people um you know talk about how turkey at at thanksgiving uh, makes you really sleepy also the fact think about it probably you're having dinner on thanksgiving at at dark even though typically we have um Thanksgiving meals and the, the later afternoon, early evening, like around five o'clock or so, six o'clock, maybe it's still dark outside. So when you have the signal of it being dark outside, plus tryptophan, serotonin, melatonin, those kinds of things in general, I'm just trying to, to lump up some, some neurochemicals in general, right? Because tryptophan, if you look at the chemical structure of those, uh, you'll see how similar they are as well as adenosine and caffeine for instance, that I'll get into in a little bit more. Um, but uh, circadian rhythms are really important. 
So if your body raises one to three degrees for, with cortisol in the morning, then you need your body to actually get into um, one to three degrees. If not, you know, you got you to gotta drop your core body temperature uh, at least somewhat in order to achieve uh, or get into sleep a lot quicker. Um, you know, you can supplement with melatonin. I really recommend not doing that. I really, it, it's not important or you should really seek out other ways to, 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 to secrete your own endogenous, um, melatonin rather than getting exogenous melatonin from a tablet. Um, especially because melatonin may help you get to sleep faster, but it's not going to help you stay asleep. And I know a lot of people struggle. Maybe you're one that struggles to fall asleep, or maybe you're one that struggles staying asleep and you continually get up, you know, melatonin isn't going to be your end all be all. And I know people where they'll take it for a bit, it works. And then after like the fourth or fifth day, they're like, it doesn't work anymore. They get really groggy. I just recommend not using it. Um, in order to secrete melatonin the natural way, however, what I would do and what I tend to do is when I get home, I start to dim the lights. You know, I start to get my body and my mind subconsciously uh, signaling you know, because that's what our, our minds do. We have involuntary signals that kind of start to, to, to indicate to our body, all right, well, you know, the lights are getting dimmed. It's kind of the end of the day. Let's start to kind of mellow down a little bit. So start, you know, and I know it's, it's difficult for you guys, especially my students that like to play video games and you got that blue light, like maybe get some blue light blocking glasses or something like that. If this is really something that you uh, really want to try and hack and or you know, get better at, um, because blue light is just the kiss of death. Like I read a study recently where viewing the, the, between the hours of, I believe like it's either 10 or 11 to 4 AM, uh, viewing blue light during those times, UV light, um, is carcinogenic and it's not good for you. And on the whole expressed in both a percentage as well as a number the people that can thrive on that amount of sleep, aka four or five hours respectively over time, is zero. Like nobody can do that. Nobody can really rely on that um, or else you're just going to crash and burn and you're going to really um, do a lot of harmful things, harmful things to your body in that respect. So I really would recommend not doing that. Next one that we're going to get into is avoid stimulants before bed. Please don't. Like maybe, maybe you're an ultra metabolizer of caffeine. And I know these people that'll have like a little bit of a, you know, a cappuccino or an espresso right after dinner as they're like nightcap, those people are fine. It's all good in the hood, but I would uh, at least avoid it at least three to four hours before bedtime because, um, yeah, there's a half-life to caffeine. I forget the half-life to caffeine, but it kind of, you don't want caffeine in you while you're sleeping because that's not really good in general. I'm, I struggle with this sometimes because I try, what I do is I'll have a little bit of like a little, a jigger of coffee, a little shot of coffee or something like that right before I go to the gym after work. Um, and usually what I hope is that I'm like really working hard and burning through that and getting my, my regular exercise to where it has a null effect on the fact that I'm having caffeine at like 3.30 in the afternoon uh, and four o'clock. It's not a lot. I'm never taking a pre-workout. Um, it's bad news. 
Um, because pre-workout, uh, I can't really control that. When you look at the ingredients within pre-workout, it can be it can run the gamut of so many different things. I know that some of them are really great for achieving a pump or whatever, but like, I don't I don't care. I want the the caffeine to the dome to get my workout going. In lieu of that, I would say exercise regularly. Exercise during the day can help improve sleep quality dramatically. Um, if you're not doing that, move your body. Remember, when we move our minds and we, we, we move our minds, we work out our minds just like we work out our bodies. Next one that I don't think that any of my students are really uh, dealing with, at least with the first part, um, but uh, I definitely avoid alcohol and really heavy meals before dinner, um, at least two hours before dinner with heavy meals. And alcohol is just one of those things where it just, it disrupts the, the architecture of your sleep quality. I have looked at these graphs and studies of both alcohol laden sleep versus non-alcohol sleep. And it's just very different. You know, sometimes, uh, it'll, it almost, it's hard to explain, but it just isn't, it's no good. And even though you think like, oh my gosh, like I even thought this, I used to, I used to be one of those people where I really, once I realized that I was like, oh my gosh, coffee, or I mean, not coffee, alcohol, like a beer or two, like gets me really sleepy and like, really like, uh, I thought that that was good, especially because I've always been so anxious about sleep for all my life that I, you know, I was like anything, if <laughs> any, if anything works, it works, right? And in this case, my OCD brain was like, all right, it's going to be alcohol right now. Of course, I was of the legal age. This was about um, a year, a couple years ago where it was, I don't really do it ever. I don't really like, like when I drink, I want to drink with my friends or something like that or or whatever, because uh, if I, I know if I have a drink just like right before, right after work or something like that. I know I'm going, I'm, I'm getting into like some sort of like, yeah, I'm just tired, tired, but it's not the right type of tired. That's the thing. It kind of tricks you. So don't allow it to trick you like that. Block out distractions. I, um, if you guys need to blackout curtains, eye masks, uh, Block out that light and noise at all costs because that light is what's going to engage the cortisol. It's what's going to signal to your eyes like, okay, wakey, wakey, it's day breaky, but really it's not. Next one that I recommend, and this is a big one for me now, is relax before bed. I am such a type A person that I'm always moving, going, 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 got to be doing something, but relaxation before bed is so important. And what I realized is deep stretching in order to get into that parasympathetic state, deep breathing exercises. I do a lot of yoga. Um, I really try to maintain my mobility and flexibility at all costs because I want to move well through this life. Um, and uh, I'm really, I'm, I am known for that for some reason, you know, guys don't really like to, to, to flex on being flexible, but it's a really important thing when you have flexible muscles that are able to move in all ranges of motion. Um, that's just muscular health in general, that's joint health. Um, and, uh, yeah. So if you, if you aren't doing something like that, I really recommend it deep stretching, especially, and in, 
in that same vein, what I would do is I would double it up. I'd do a twofer here, and then I would take a nice either warm bath, but more often it's a warm or hot shower, right? What happens when you take a warm or a hot shower is you you, you have this process in your body where uh, vasodilation occurs, right? So a hot shower, what it does is it causes the vessels to dilate. So vaso referring to vessels dilation. Um, um, when your when your vessels dilate, there's an increase in that pressure that's bringing the flow upward. So the skin softens over the weak vessels, and with the increase of circulatory pressure, this is where sometimes you'll see your um, um, like maybe when you get out of a hot tub or something like that, or your shower, you see how your veins kind of start to raise um, above or start to push through your skin a little bit more. Well, what happens with that is you have that hot shower before bed, and although it increases your core temperature right off, right then and there, after the fact, there's it's followed by this rapid cooling, which can ultimately lower your core temperature for around 60 to 90 minutes after showering, and that really also primes you for sleep, and that's a really important thing. That's a sleep hack. If you run hot when you sleep, give that a shot. I've really been looking into this thing called a sleep eight or an eight sleep rather, because I do tend to sweat sometimes and run hot. And a lot of time what wakes me up in the middle of the night is that I'm a little sweaty, sweaty. Um, I don't know why. It's just who I am in general. I'm a furnace sometimes. Um, but it's all about when you decrease that and when I'm able to keep myself uh, not sweaty or hot throughout the night, I can sleep throughout the night without waking up. Um, that happens on occasion. Sometimes if I make my room real cold, that will happen for sure. So that's another sleep hack that I really recommend is a warm shower, hot shower. Um, I think things like listening to music. I listen to uh, binaural or not. I listen to uh, these Spotify playlists that are just like sleep playlists. They're like meditative playlists where nothing's going on in them. It's just like ambient music or classical music or something like that. Just something that really relaxes you, something that's calming to your mind and your body. Another thing that you could do is you can journal. You can think about the day afterwards, kind of jot down how you felt, how it went, maybe the to-dos that you want to do for the next day in order to get a little bit of a step forward. I really try to avoid electronics, but not all the time because I've been trying to just, you know, decompress with playing a video game here and there um, every now and then. So um, I, I'm not a big video gamer, but I'm trying to get into it. And it is a really nice way to kind of decompress and be mindless for a little bit. Um, I mean, there are those. The uh, I Also, get sunlight exposure at the beginning of the day. That's something that I really, really recommend for you, as well as if you don't like the fact that you're maybe getting a little groggy around two or three, try to push your coffee consumption or tea consumption or caffeine consumption uh, about an hour to two hours post-sleep. I know that that sounds very difficult to do, but it really isn't after a while what I do. I've been really uh, like, uh, this is something that is, has been really hard for me because what I try to do is I, I'm like, I wake up, I go straight to the coffee. I'm making it. I have a little pour over. I always do. And I want that. 
I want that caffeine ASAP, get me going. But when now I'm allowing myself to wake up, I make the coffee, I put it in my thermos, I keep it in my thermos, I take my shower, I get ready for work, I get my thermos, I get in the car, I'm driving, and then um, I use little place markers while I'm driving to work when I decide that I want to uh, have a little sip. Maybe I'm feeling good that day and I decide that I'm just going to keep my thermos. I'm not even going to open it. I'm just going to drink water as I drive to work and then I'll have a uh, coffee once I get to work, you know, and that'll be at least an hour and a half, uh, after I've woken up. Um, you know, that's another thing to maybe challenge yourself with. If you, if you're reliant on caffeine in the mornings, try and like go a little bit of time without doing it and see what happens. Um, because I am, I'm not getting that little crash. I never really do. Sometimes I do. Um, but that being said, I think that that would be a very interesting thing for you to maybe consider. Remember, I'm not a medical doctor. Don't take anything for this as medical advice or anything like that. I'm just here providing things that I've used. This is what I like to call anecdata. This is data that I've compiled and information that I use now because it's anecdotal for me. I've used it. It works. And maybe it won't work for you, but it works for me because we're all individuals and we're all very, very different. The next question that I want to get into is from uh, my boy here, Batman. <laughs> Thanks, Batman. Batman asks, how can I navigate the trials of middle school and puberty as a young person? That's a really interesting question. Pubescence is really difficult because you really don't feel comfortable in your body. You don't feel comfortable being in middle school. You're insecure. I've never seen so many little kids wearing gigantic oversized hoodies in 100 degree weather. But you know what? You're just, you're awkward. You feel awkward in your own skin and your own body. And that's okay. Um, in order to navigate the trials of middle school, it's about finding the people that are going to support you that are going to lift you up, that are not going to put you down, that aren't going to backstab you. And I know that that's difficult. But sometimes I think that you really know when somebody is true, true to themselves. And I know that truth has become this weird subjective thing now. But you know what really, a, a, you know what an honest person looks like. I think we really know what honesty looks like um, at the, the root of it. And hey, you know what? Mr. Connolly here must be a pubescent boy too, because I'm always like after the end of the day, my voice is cracking to the nth degree. If you guys have seen some of my my TikToks at the end of the day after school, I sound like a pubescent boy. And you know what? It just is what it is. It's it's just your body doing its natural processes. Just allow it and embrace it because it's a beautiful thing. And that's what biology is. Next one is from Regina George. Oh, hi. How do I deal with the popularity and toxic nature of middle school? Um, this is something that I wasn't really embedded with because I was just kind of bullied a lot. So I never really dealt with popularity. Um, if you seek out popularity, that's going to be a fleeting thing. And it's going to be something that will, um, that's going to attract people that might backstab you. I, you know, popularity is a very interesting thing especially in middle and high school, where it doesn't really matter, even though you think it matters. And I really mean that because it doesn't matter. 
everybody is so worried about themselves and whether uh, people are looking at them. I mean, coming from me, I used to be a stress bucket of a kid. I, uh, I would never contribute in class. I would never raise my hand because I was always afraid of getting the wrong answer. And then everybody realizing that I got the wrong answer. And then everybody laughing at me and telling me I'm dumb for having the wrong answer. Now, nobody cares. Everybody's worried about themselves more so. And it just is what it is. What I think is that if you're really, and in lieu of the toxic nature of middle school, get get out of it. Toxic. That's uh, toxic. If, if you're in toxic, and sometimes it takes for us a long time to get out of toxic things in our lives. Like, you know, being in toxic relationships, for instance. Like sometimes when you're in it, you don't really realize that it's toxic until you get out of it. So sometimes you just got to learn. You got to learn by failing. And it's okay to fail. And it's okay to, to mess up because at the end of the day, that's where when we learn the most. Um, if you don't think so, uh, sorry, you're wrong. Because um, I really truly believe that I, throughout my life, have learned so much more about myself through failure and through rejection and through getting things wrong and making mistakes because then I see what's wrong and then I make it right. Or then I just know what's right and I know what I need to do to get to that right point. It's okay. Like I said, it's about moving forward. And sometimes moving forward is moving laterally, moving to the side. What advice, this is not, um, nobody titled this one. This uh, was just an email I got from a random individual. Uh, what advice do you have for dealing with the anger and aggression that's so prevalent in our world today? Don't engage. It's toxic. Riffing off of the toxic nature of middle school, there's a toxic nature in this world right now where everybody's so gung-ho on trying to, to seek to be understood rather than to seek to understand. Right, we're all so dogmatic that we talked about earlier in the last um, episode. Dogma, docs referring to um, the opinion of, and then ma refers to, uh, a, or the right opinion essentially. So, dogma really refers to the right or the straight opinion of something, riffing off of orthodox, and so. Everybody just thinks that their way is the right way. And because and when you think that your way is the right way and you, you listen to other people that have differing ways, then um, it, it all gets met with fire. And we see all this fire happening because fire is met with fire and what creates more fire is fire feeding that fire. And it's just a bunch of anger. So try not engaging with it. That's what I have to say. I can't say anything else because... It's so inundated in our world. Try and seek out the positivity. Seek out the goodness in this world. See the, the goodness in people and, and seek out the empathy. How can I find self-confidence and stay true to my values in the face of peer-to-peer pressure and popular culture? This is from Z. Well, self-confidence really comes from small wins at the end of the day. This is what my class is. It's not about knowing. It's not about being inherently intelligent. It's not about being smart. At the end of the day, it's about knowing that you can do it. 
because now my students whom all were like Latin scary, Latin ah, middle school, Latin dead language, it's gonna be so hard. No. In fact, they say it's easy. And that's what it's all about because I didn't make it easy for them. They made it easy for themselves because they realized that through time and through introspection, through realizing that they're capable, because so many times we self-doubt ourselves until we realize that we do it. And then we look back and we're like, wow, rock on, let's go. So at the end of the day, that's what self-confidence is for, for me. And I'm still working on self-confidence every day. And I know that everybody else is always because insecurities bleed through. And in meaning not secure, referring to being secure. So when you have insecurities, you are not secure with yourself. And that's what happens. You get wrapped up in things that people th you think that people worry about, but they really aren't. Self-confidence comes from doing you and not worrying about everybody else. What strategies can I use to be kinder and more understanding of myself, of, of others, and of my family, even when they're not being kind and understanding to me? Oh, man, that's a really good question because I'm the kind of person where I hear things from other people and then I take it on on my own accord and it kind of can wreak havoc on myself as well. When people are not kind to me, I can take that on. When people are not being kind to others, I can take that on as well. When, you know, and that's that's the beauty of being empathetic. I remember when I was a kid, I was told that, that my empathy would cr cripple me by um, an authority figure of mine when I was in grade school. Didn't know what empathy was at the time. Now I do. Has it crippled me in certain cases? Maybe. But maybe it's just because... I've been honest and I've been open and those people have seen my honesty and they've taken advantage of it. And that's just the name of the game. And people will do that, but it's, you know what? I'm okay. I'm okay with that because what comes around goes around. I truly believe that. So, you know what? I try to lead my life with honesty now and because I've been an, a dishonest person before in my past. I'm sure you you maybe have been dishonest, you have told lies, and it really is an insidious thing that can wreck, wreck havoc on your soul. It really can. And so it's about being open. Being honest is also about being open and vulnerable. It's about not being secretive. It's about saying that you need help. It's about not, you know, not being the man, you know, I'm just going to shove it down, blood, blood, this and that. Not going to tell anybody. <clears throat> I know people that have held things that they uh, have never told their parents and then their parents have died and their parents will never know about what their kids really should have probably told them. That's just like, just, just be honest with the people. Because when you don't deal with it, when you don't address it and you just shove it down, it gets passed on. Whether it gets passed on generationally or it gets passed on within, you know, people that are, you're close with, people take that on. So quell it where it is. If you have things that are dark, dark spots on your soul, they probably aren't. You just think that they are. Just be open and honest about it and say, you know what? I'm human. I've messed up. This is what, who I am. 
but it's not who I am now. It's just a part of my history. And just move on. And that's how you can be kind to yourself and understanding yourself and to other people. But more so, it's about being kind to yourself. Because we're always the worst to ourselves. I guarantee that. Well, next one that we have here is Snoop Dogg with a D-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-O-G. What are the best ways to manage my emotions and maintain a positive outlook? In this case, journal, move your body, move your mind, surround yourself with people that you love. It's so hard. I feel like I look around so often and just see so much sadness and depression and anger and blaming each other for things. And it's just, You can create momentum. You can either create momentum negativity, negatively rather, or you can create momentum in a positive way. And it's just about moving, moving forward. I will always say moving forward and moving forward can mean so many things to so many people, but just keep on moving, keep on striving for more. Because when you are content, when you're like, you know what, I'm just setting my ways. I'm just going to keep on doing what I'm doing. It's all getting the hood. No. That's not what life is. Not for me, at least. Maybe it is for you. But at the end of the day, you just got to be adaptable. And that leads me into my last question here with an anonymous person that answered or asked it. How can I handle all the cha- changes I'm going through during my time, this time in my life? And I'm, I'm assuming this is in regards to middle end or high school. Um, Embrace it. Know that you're not perfect. That you're this ball of so many emotions that are made up of anger and sadness and happiness and joy and sensorial pleasure and all these things that make the human condition beautiful. Embrace these changes because they're changes and they're just going to happen no matter what. And what happens with people is that they get stressed out when they can't adapt to those changes and they try to hold on to the past rather than progressing into the future. So many people get stressed out about that. And stress is just basically the culmination of trying to control things that you really just can't control. And then you allow your mind to just get wrapped up in that crap to the nth degree and you ruminate on it and you continue to ruminate on it. But at the end of the day, you just, it's life. And life is in flux. Um, It'll beat you down, but it's about getting back up. And I don't want to throw a bunch of cliches in it and make it sound all like wishy-washy contrived, but you can you can do it. Um, you can handle the change, changes. You know you can. And you if you don't know you can, you know that you find a way. You always find a way. Everybody here listening to this finds a way. And if you can't find a way, ask for help. Because people here are here to help you. 
It's all about asking for it and relinquishing to your fa- uh, to yourself the fact that asking for your for help is not weak. And sometimes nobody will ever understand, or some people will never understand that throughout their entire life, and they'll be so hell bent on being this masculine machismo, whatever. Like I'm gonna do it. I'm the patriarch, or whatever. I'm the the you know, I'm the person that's gonna go through it and grit it out. It's just not, that's not who I want to be anymore. I used to be like that because it was kind of an embedded quality that I was raised with. And that I saw a lot of my, the people that I admired, that that's what they did. But what I've realized now is the suppression of all the things in your life gets carried on to your children. It gets carried on to the people that you love. Because even though it's secretive, even though it's suppressed, it energetically seeps and permeates into the life of others. And that's why I'm honest is because once you air that crap in the open, it's there. You have, you have manifested it. You have put a name to it. And you are saying, I'm done. Or you're saying, I no longer, or I'm no longer going to beat myself up over this. I am no longer going to hold myself um, and tell myself that I'm an awful person for this thing that I couldn't control in my life. I know you can do it because I know that I can do it now. And it took me a long time to realize that I knew that I could do it. But if I can do it, and if I I can teach Latin after it being an extreme source of stress in my life, I think that you can do just about anything you set your mind to. And sometimes I'm still trying to figure that out and trying to realize that. But you can do it. Shia LaBeouf, just do it. I'm going to keep it there. Wrap it up. It's been a very long episode, but I've really enjoyed answering your questions. And I hope that I've provided some semblance of knowledge and or I've been able to help um, give you ideas on how to approach hacking your sleep or, I don't know, navigating this world as a kiddo. You guys rock. All you rock. You're all rock stars. Keep on rocking. Keep on rolling. Keep on going through this life empathetically with understanding and with care because... I appreciate you guys and I appreciate your nature in wanting to learn and grow and know more about the world around us because it's so vast and it's so expansive and amazing and hard and sad and painful and full of suffering, but also full of joy and full of amazing things like love and happiness and The first time the birds chirp when spring begins anew after a long, long, harsh winter. You know, these things are little small things in our lives that really help to, to bring us back and to say, you know what, the small things are so beautiful sometimes. So I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Thank you guys again. If you guys enjoyed this episode. 
please shoot me some more emails at liamconnerly at gmail.com and or latinandlaymans at gmail.com. Spotify, Latin and Layman's The Rhetoric Revolution. Apple Podcasts, The Rhetoric Revolution, Latin and Layman's, you know. Appreciate you guys. Tempo Sest, Discovery.